0: Hello fellas, I'm Peter and welcome back on Wild Knowledge, a podcast about everything curious. Well, what's the program today? In this episode, our hunt for wild knowledge will bring us to new heights, as we'll have to climb up to our next topic, skyscrapers. We'll do a little bit of history, learn quite a few things and have a lot of fun, hopeful. Now, until the end of the 19th century, city buildings were low constructions, even in big cities. For the high-rise buildings to appear, a series of technological discoveries had to be made. By the second half of the 19th century, two crucial innovations were opening the way to a new type of architecture. One, the creation of efficient and automatic elevators. Two, the use of electricity. Absolutely miraculous! So-called paternoster elevators, elevators circulating on a shaft and a loop, were created for the first time in 1868. In 1872, The first elevator doors automatically opening and closing were designed and in 1880 the first electrical elevator was built in Germany. Electrical engineering was considerably improved during the whole century. The first building to rise with fully automated passenger elevators was the Equitable Life Building in Manhattan, New York City. It was completed in 1870, had electric lighting and was used as headquarters by the Equitable Life Assurance Company. It was more than 130 feet high, which was more than 40 meters high, which was considered very high by the standards of that time. This first equitable life building was proudly advertised as fireproof. Do you smoke in bed? Do I smell smoke? And was destroyed by fire in 1912. Early skyscrapers were mostly built for companies that used some of the space in the building as headquarters, for instance, and rented the other floors to tenants, businesses, or individuals. So big companies did finance the first high-rise buildings in America. The Equitable Life Building, as well as the Western Union Telegraph Building, built in New York City between 1872 and 1875, the New York Tribune Building, completed in 1875-2, the Home Insurance Building in Chicago, that opened in 1885, etc. These buildings were towering above the other constructions in the city and were therefore considered as high-rise constructions. The word skyscraper appeared in the late 1880s. Of course, by today's standards, their height is not so exuberant. 230 feet high, which is 70 meters high for the Western Union building, 138 feet high, 42 meters for the Home Entrance building, and vertiginous 260 feet high for the New York Tribune building. Actually, they would not even qualify as skyscrapers by today's definition, although they were extended later on. Please grow. Now, let's stop a minute and ponder the reasons that brought humanity to constructing gigantic buildings. Why would someone want to build an extremely costly house with a thousand windows? There must have been a couple of interior decorators. Obviously there's a question of space. In a big populated city attracting more people every year, stacking homes and businesses up can be considered a smart move or even a necessity. Nothing new here. In ancient Rome, most of the population of the Eternal City lived in apartment buildings called Insulae. However, thanks to technological advancement, we can now pile up hundreds of floors and house thousands of people in a single high-rise building. You see, I already know. There is, as you can easily imagine, an economical aspect to the question. Skyscrapers are profitable, otherwise nobody would build them. You mean you quit the big dough in Hollywood to go back to that? The real estate developers behind a construction project or the owners of a high-rise building are ready to invest massive sums in it if they are sure there will be a quick return on investment. But there is something else to it, isn't there? If it were just about efficiency and profitability, all skyscrapers could very well look exactly the same. Architects pursue aesthetic singularity, as we want architectural beauty. We want our skylines and urban landscapes to create a unique environment. Architecture may be the discipline where it is most clear that beauty should not be a luxury for a few lucky people. It is indeed a fundamental element of a happy way of inhabiting the world. When along came a chemist, semi with a high-end canvas cover load If you're gonna want to muck a with me you can ride And so I climbed into the cab and then I settled down inside He asked me if I'd ever seen a row with so much dust and sand and I said listen I've traveled every road in this land I've been everywhere man, I've been everywhere man Crossed the desert bare man, I've reaped the mountain air man I've traveled I've had my share man, I've been everywhere I've been to Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Winslow, Sarasota, Wichita, Tulsa, Ottawa, Oklahoma, Tampa, Panama, Maddowell, La Bangor, Baltimore, Salvador, Amarillo, Toccafilla, Barrickilla, i I've been everywhere, man, I've been everywhere, man. Crossed the deserts bare, man, I've breathed the mountain air, man. I've traveled, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been everywhere. Been a Boston, Charleston, Dayton, Lucy, Finally, and there's a symbolic Houston, dimension kind of to the construction of pretentiously high monuments. It is a way of demonstrating the power and wealth of an individual Because he's wearing moccasins. or a social group. And, well, that is no novelty either. Think of Egyptian pyramids or emperor's palaces of yore. At the beginning of the 20th century, America was telling the whole world about its newly acquired dominance and skyscrapers were quite efficient material demonstrations of national pride. Furthermore, American cities were competing for the highest, biggest, shiniest tower, just as some of the richest countries on the planet do nowadays. Well, comparing sizes to decide who's the strongest, that totally sounds mature, right? Please, I wish you'd stop making smart cracks. So, yeah, modern skyscrapers were born in America. In the early 20th century, they were springing up like mushrooms in every major city of the United States. In the 1920s, the cheerful economy and the Art Deco trend gave birth to some of the most famous skyscrapers in the world. The Empire State Building was built in only 20 months, between 1929 and 1931. It's probably the most renowned skyscraper in the world. The Empire State Building has its own zip code, and it is an essential part of New York City's landscape. Hey, what do you know about that? In May 1930, another jewel of Art Deco architecture had risen in New York City, the Chrysler Building, with its sparkling crown. The tip of its spire is 1,047 feet high, about 319 meters above the ground. That was about 5 feet, so 1.5 meters, under the last constructed floor of the Empire State Building. In order to make sure that the Empire State Building status as tallest building in the world would not be questioned, one of the architects came up with the idea of a towering 200 feet mast, so a 61 meters high mast, supposedly designed for the mooring of airships. In fact, it was not possible to dock an airship to the mast because of the wind conditions above the building. The whole idea was more of a publicity stunt than a real functional architectural feature. Hey, don't you try to deceive us! Since then, new technologies and the successive waves of aesthetic trends have scattered a variety of skyscrapers throughout the world. Let's have a quick peek on some unique specimens of these architectural giants. You've got what I like to call the twirlers, because, well, you know, they seem to be twisted. Now, if I didn't see this with my own eyes, I wouldn't believe it. It's the case for the building known as the Turning Torso and located in Malmö, Sweden. The 627 feet high tower shows such a strong swirl that it seems to be leaning. Actually, because of the shape of the turning torso, cranes that were used to build it had to be placed quite far from the building itself. Consequently, they could not be used if the wind speed exceeded 44.49 miles an hour. Another twisted skyscraper, the Shanghai Tower, is 2,073 feet high. It's a different kind of twirl here. It looks like the building is turning the upper part of its body as if it had heard something and turned its head to have a look. Built in 2016, the Shanghai Tower displays some interesting features. 270 windmills located near the summit supply the lighting system of the tower, which has the third fastest elevators in the world, racing at a top speed of 20.5 meters per second. That's 46 miles per hour. You know, not all skyscrapers look like massive rectangles or huge pointy sticks. What do you know? Some of them, although not that many, have a round tip such as the Spanish Torre Agbar in Barcelona. It's basically a tall, round cone covered with more than 56,000 windows. At night, it looks like a big, colorful cocoon. The Torre Agbar was completed in 2004, just like the 30 St. Mary X, located in London, and affectionately nicknamed the Gherkin. It looks exactly the same! It is also an ogival skyscraper, covered with a little more than 24,000 square meters of glass. That's 78,740 square feet of glass. That's one job done, what now? Another unique building in London is the London Bridge Tower, also known as the Shard. The top of this high-rise building looks like a broken piece of glass. Before being occupied by humans, the Shard apparently offered shelter to at least one uncommon tenant. During constructions, workers discovered that a fox lived there, and they called him Romeo. As I said, skyscrapers have a powerful symbolic value. Having a tall building in a country is a display of the power and importance of some of its nationals. Yeah, some of them, most of the time the wealthiest, the ones with power and political dominance. Hey, we're just upright citizens trying to make an honest dollar. After all, we got wives and babies to support. The tallest building in the world at the moment is the Burj Khalifa. A shining futuristic skyscraper rising in the sky above Dubai at the incredible altitude of 829.8 meters, that is 2,722 feet, that's almost twice as high as the Empire State Building. After all, the purpose of skyscrapers does not seem to be the reasonable use of space to solve demographic issues. Uh, well, what about upstairs, have a look round? I'm afraid I can't take you upstairs, sir. There's no smoking allowed. Heh, <laughs> well, but I'm not smoking. No, but I am. Actually, the construction of tall buildings are more connected to luxury and power than to offering a home to everyone. There are important problems with the construction of skyscrapers nowadays. There are environmental issues, of course, even if some tall buildings are labeled green by independent organisms. But there's no tree there! Beyond the pollution created by the production of the construction material and the waste that's produced during the completion of such a large structure, the way of life it promotes in itself is a source of pollution. That leads us to social problems, as skyscrapers mostly benefit a very narrow group of privileged people. Can you imagine throwing a white tie party simply because it's Thursday? While fostering the domination of others, the Burj Khalifa, for instance, was built by some 12,000 workers at least. A lot of them were Southeast Asian immigrants, mostly Filipinos, with very low wages and bad work conditions, close to modern slavery in some cases, according to some witnesses and NGOs. Generally, The principle behind the construction of a skyscraper can be debated, as it is connected to an idea of intense and constantly increasing conception, while a number of people are calling for a more responsible and measured way to deal with the world and create a fairer society. Following that line of thought, one could argue, why not stop making expensive and arrogant towers for the few and use the money to build decent homes for the many? You know what? Why not? After all, we'll always have the Empire State Building. And that's the end of the episode. I hope you fellows liked it. This is the first pleasure I've had since 1780. The songs you heard in the podcast were my versions of Ivan Everywhere, written by Geoff Mack, and Blackbird by John Lennon and Paul McCartney. The Wise Kraken comes from the following copyright-free movies. Time of Their Lives, released in 1946, Green Boat and Jack and the Beanstalks, released in 1952; My Dear Secretary, 1948, The Last Time I Saw Paris, 1964, The Clancy Street Boys and The More of the Merrier, both from 1943, Much Too Shy, 1941, and Charade, released in 1963. Okay, goodbye fellas, thank you for listening, and remember, always stay on the lookout for wild knowledge.